Hello, New Hope. My name is Ryan, the lead pastor, and boy, God is working here at New Hope Church, and he gets all the credit, all the glory. And you know what else? We're really at a pivotal time in the life of our church. We're really at a, a crossroads moment, a, a time where how we as a church come together and how we uh, um, trust God and respond to his leading is going to be making up the stories that are told for years to come about God's faithfulness and his work at this church called New Hope Church. You know, this is a time where we've been talking for more than a year now about the expanding hope effort to expand the New Hope campus in order to reach more people. And, and as you see, as well as I do, you look around and, and we're at capacity. In fact, growth is up 30% over last year. We're almost at 400 people on a Sunday. The kids' classrooms are stocked full and we need more room. But it's not just about that because it's also about the people who aren't here yet. The people all over Dallas County that we are trusting God that he would have the opportunity to reach them, to help them understand that there is a God who loves them. As we say here at New Hope Church all the time, to help people find and follow Jesus. See, this is about a time where we come together and we're willing to say we're all in and part with our resources to see that vision extend to reach more people for the kingdom. This is an exciting time for the church. But maybe for you, it's, it's, it's like many others where it can be hard to imagine, well, how can an extension of a building work and help to accomplish those goals? You know, more than a year ago, when we sat down and, and with lots of people and we prayed and planned, we did a survey with the church. We identified three goals that we thought were the pivotal key pieces that were needed for this building expansion. We, talk, we talked about how the need to, to move the office operations out from the downtown Adel area to stop renting and to have a one campus operation. But we also recognized right away we needed more space for ministry, more space for the children, more space for students, more space even for adults to, to, for equipping and to love and to reach people. But it was also about this campus where I'm standing right now of being a place that seven days a week is open and available and doing ministry, extending hope and healing and comfort and giving the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. And so that's been our heart all along, that this piece of land would be a place not only of equipping for the church, but outreach for the community. And so here I stand, and, and this is what we are trusting someday will be the footprint for the building extension. In fact, more specifically, I'm in the lobby right now, or what would be the lobby. And I want you to imagine with me this space right here, not only on a Sunday is filled with people, but also during the week, a place for people to come. And you can almost imagine with me of tables sitting around or chairs and just a place to meet and to gather. This is what's on our heart for the lobby. Right behind me to the right here is where the office is going to be. And the office is in many ways the engine of the church. This is where, where staff and elders and leaders and volunteers come together and plan and prepare and pray for the work of the ministry that's done here in and through New Hope Church. To have the operation of the, of the office here on site is such a key, key move. It's, it's making the office accessible to what's going on in the church. Back over my left shoulder over here will be a, a key place we call, at least for now, the multi-purpose area. And as I talk to people, this is the one that maybe people are most excited about because this is a space that is large and it can be used in so many different ways. You can imagine with me that we're going to have uh, banquets and receptions here of life's pivotal moments that we can celebrate for people. A place where we have conferences and gatherings, a, a place where, where kids are going to fill up, whether on an Amplify night, fill up this multi-purpose room, or thinking of summertime and the day camp ministry that we have, that we can do far more than just the kids that are coming now, and those kids that are on the waiting list can now come because we have room for them. Or student ministry activities and events. The list is endless. But see, those are just things for a new hope. You can even add to that all the ways of how we can reach people in our community 
whether it's through, again, events and gatherings, it's through sports or leagues. These are ways that people, they say often, can come here to the New Hope campus, not looking for Jesus, but find out that Jesus has been looking for them. Finally, over there, to farther to the left, is an area for classrooms. And this area over here is going to be so important. As I mentioned before, we're out of space. We have, on a Sunday, on average, more than 100 kids packed into a handful of classrooms. And this is a wonderful problem to have, and we are so thankful for that. But we need more room, not only for the kids, but also for the adults. You know, adult education is very limited in what we can do in one level because of just space concerns. See, I'm convinced this is the right time for this. And for all of you watching that you've already said, I'm all in, I'm a stakeholder, and you're contributing towards this vision, I wanna tell you thank you this morning. Thank you for how you do that. But for those of you who have not yet made that decision for any number of reasons, I also wanna tell you thank you as well. Thank you for being willing to seek God about this, for, for being willing to, to pray and, and to ask God that he would, he would use this place in New Hope Church to further his work and his kingdom. And that you'd have the courage to ask, God, what role do you want me to play in this? Here in a few weeks, we're all going to come together, and it's decision time. It's where we trust God whether we're going to move forward or not. And I can't wait to see how God works through you and the story that he's going to tell for years to come about a collection of people who said this is about so much more than us. I can't wait to see how God works in and through New Hope Church. Thank you, and God bless. Um, I'm the uh, chairman of the capital campaign team here at New Hope Church. I want to tell you a little bit about the campaign and, and the second inning of the campaign. So at the end of June, you may have been here for uh, a drive-in service that we had. Uh, that was when we officially launched and announced the second inning. And the second inning is really just a period of time within the campaign where uh, people that may not have been with us at the time that the campaign was launched in late 2020. Uh, if those people weren't here at that time or maybe were too new to really understand what was going on and join in uh, the capital campaign to support the vision uh, of expanding hope, impacting lives, um, this is an opportunity for them to learn more about it and to really get in, involved and engaged in the process. Last Sunday, you would have seen a, a newsletter that provided more information regarding the building process as well as the capital campaign. Um, no doubt you probably have some questions. Hopefully you've got some things you've been praying about, both individually as well as for us as a church. Uh, clearly there is a, a gap between the funds that we have today and those that are promised uh, as compared to the expected cost of the, the building expansion. That's a, a natural question. It's also an opportunity for us individually and uh, collectively as a congregation to really ask ourselves uh, about how God is in this. You know, what is he asking us each individually to do? What is he asking us as a body to do during this time? Uh, I think about Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 3, it talks about all the individuals and families that were involved in that effort. And it really was all of the Jews at that point in time that were involved in that effort. That's really what the, the campaign idea is, and the second inning in particular is the opportunity for those that are not yet involved and engaged to, to become stakeholders. And uh, we're really asking people to, to stand up and, and sort of make that proclamation that not only are we here at New Hope, but we're 
we're in. We are stakeholders. We are desiring to be a part of the exciting vision that's going on here um, and, and what we expect to happen in the future. So we want to have those stakes uh, present for a ceremony that we're gonna have on October 10th. It's gonna be a very special time for us as a body. And um, even as each family brings that stake as a represent, re representation that they are vested, that they are in uh, with, this, with this vision, um, we will also collect any commitment cards that have not yet been returned at that point in time. And then that will conclude the second inning. And from there, what we'll do is we'll tally the commitment cards, the total dollars that are committed. We will um, then uh, compare that with the final uh, bid estimates from the, from the uh, contractor that's selected. And then the congregation will be presented with a plan from the elders uh, at, a, at a meeting, probably in late October, where it will be presented. And you know, then the congregation will be asked to, to respond to that. We know that God has clearly given us a vision. We know that God is at work uh, by virtue of the number of people that are here on a weekly basis and a growing number at that. And uh, we're just excited, excited to see what he's going to do, how this is all going to come together. And I really, really invite you to prayerfully, prayerfully consider how it is that God has uh, called you to be a part of this. So, thank you. Good morning. Uh, my name is, thank you. Uh, my name is Bryn Jensen. This is Hillary Ellis and Nicole Drake. Uh, we're excited to be uh, here with you this morning or for those of you joining online. Um, I hope this video gave you some clarity I know we've talked about expanding hope. Um, there's been some really exciting progress. And next week uh, on October 10th is really the day where we as a church body decide, is the building going to happen or not? So um, as you saw, there is big, big plans. We have, uh, I've been on the building committee and I've felt God pushing us towards making this campus dream happen and just all of the beautiful things that that, that building can help us do here in Adel, Iowa, and then really push all of us uh, beyond our capacity that we can think of today. Um, just a reminder, next, uh, next Sunday um, is for all of us uh, to show our commitment and we don't care if that's $5 a week or more. We just want to show that you are in, that you bring your stake and you bring your heart and you bring your prayer into the building um, next week. Hello. I am Hillary Ellis, as she said, and the new um, women's ministry leader. So we had a women's event this last Saturday. It was a a simple, fun event um, just to get the ladies together to do something fun. So we did a craft and we had worship. And then the most special part is that we were able to introduce a new ministry um, that's going to be under women's ministry. And Nicole is going to introduce that. So Nicole and I and Bryn were actually all in the same small group. And Nicole started having um, God put these things on her heart a while back. So it's been fun to watch her wrestle with it. And um, we're finally to the point where it's coming 
coming to be. So here we get to announce it to you today. And so um, I'm excited for you guys to hear what Nicole has to say. Good morning. Um, I'm excited to introduce our new ministry today. It is <clears throat> Embracing Hope, and you can see that's wrapped with extending compassion and encouraging community. Um, and that's really the heartbeat behind this ministry is our slogan here. So this ministry is for women of new hope and women in the community that um, have experienced or are experiencing miscarriage or infant loss. Um, sorry. So our, um, this ministry is um, really just to support those um, and bring community to them as well. We have a table out in the foyer this morning that talks about what we will be doing. So we will provide care packages and um, provide different events in the community where that could look like serving together, um, going out and having fun together, or maybe just engaging in a Bible study together. Um, we have candles out in the foyer as well that are for the International Global, Global Wave of Light that's held on October 15th every year at seven o'clock, um, and that day is Remembrance Day for parents and friends and family to light a candle and just remember their loved ones that they have lost. We also have an example of a care package, so you can um, check that out. We're To start off our ministry this month and through October, we're going to be collecting items for a care package, and the intention is to kind of make those unique to the situation, but there are some um, general items that we'd ask you to donate if your heart feels led. And then um, if you'd like to get involved in the ministry, you could sign up to be on our ministry's prayer team. Um, you could also take one of these cards and put it on your fridge to remember to pray for these women and families. And then on the back, there's a list of donations that you could bring as well. There's also a spot on the connection card um, if you want more information about this ministry. It'll also be going out in the women's ministry email, so you'll get all of the information there as well. So now we're going to move on to our giving, and um, we talk about this every week, but it's still a little bit different than it used to be. We don't pass the bags anymore, but you can um, give your tithe online, or you can drop it in the box in the back. So there's several ways that you can give. Let's go ahead and pray for that. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, this opportunity to come and worship you together as a family of believers, and I pray that you would bless this time. I pray that you would be glorified in our worship to you, that you would be um, glorified in what we learned today, and that you would be glorified in our offering. I pray that you would use it for your will, and that um, we would be obedient to that. In your name I pray, amen. Well, good morning, New Hope. Hope you're all doing well. I'm going to welcome you. I'm Ryan, the lead pastor. Also welcome you online that you're watching this morning. And uh, I tell you what, one of the things I get so encouraged about is when God works in the hearts and lives of people at New Hope or even beyond and new ministries begin to be developed. This did not come from the staff. This did not come from a pastor. This came from somebody who was obedient to God's call on their life. In this case, to minister to women who have suffered miscarriage or families that are going through infant loss. And so I would highly encourage you to, to check out the table out 
out there, visit with Nicole and her team, and even find ways to get involved or to pray, because this is a, a beautiful ministry, a beautiful expression. So today we are wrapping up our sermon series called Right on the Money. I hope you've enjoyed it and been challenged by it. Now I'll give you a little heads up. Next Sunday we transition from this and we're going to be launching a new series called Living Ready, walking verse by verse through the book of 1 Thessalonians. I'll kind of leave the intro to that for next week as a little bit of a cliffhanger so that you're kind of intrigued. Well, what's this going to be about? It's going to be a great series that you're not going to want uh, to miss. And then speaking of next Sunday, as Bren already mentioned, it's going to be a very special Sunday of celebration of prayer, of just rejoicing, of how God is working uh, in the lives of New Hope Church. Uh, me and my family, we're bringing our steak back next Sunday, and uh, we'll be adding that to the other steaks that are already here. And so this is going to be a great time uh, together uh, for, for that. Um, and speaking of sort of the building stuff, I don't know if you've noticed, but with our current building, we, we have a wonderful problem. Here's our wonderful problem. We have coffee stains everywhere. Have you noticed? I'm sure you have. You walk into the lobby and they're just everywhere. And when the lobby's full, you don't see them quite as much, but it's in here, it's in the lobby. And I call it a wonderful problem because I tell you what, I would rather be in a church alive and active and moving and ministering and packed with kids and adults with carpet stains than in a really pretty church that's dead and nothing's going on. That said, we don't have to necessarily live with the carpet stains. So I just wanted you to have a heads up that we do see the carpet stains. We're getting bids currently and trying to figure out how can we address this and, and take care of our current facility that we have. In addition to that, you're going to see some pardon our dust signs starting uh, next Sunday when you're here. But we are transforming the library into a hospitality area. So currently we serve coffee from tables out in the lobby, but we need more lobby space. So we are going to be... Um, reworking that library area, and it's going to be a beautiful, efficient place right off the kitchen where we can serve coffee and snacks, and it's going to be a, a great thing. So uh, just be watching for that, and you'll see some of the, some of the uh, inconvenience for a little bit, but it's going to pay off for us uh, with that. Okay, if you would, please grab your Bibles and turn to a couple places this morning. If you would turn to Mark chapter 12, we're going to be there this morning. We're also going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So I encourage you to use your table of contents if you need to. If you have a digital version, just know we're in two different spots, two different spots here this morning. We're going to start in first or 2 Corinthians, and then we'll go to Mark after that. And I would encourage you to have a bulletin as well, as you can do some fill-in-the-blanks as we work along here this morning. So remember, right on the money is talking about your relationship with your resources. And we're taking these weeks, and today again we wrap up, and talking about topics like, if you recall, uh, generosity and contentment. These were some heart issues that we had to wrestle through together in terms of how we're honoring God with all the things that he's provided for us. Last Sunday, then, we pivoted, and we moved from the hard issues to the hands, to the practical stuff. And what does the Bible say about giving, and New Testament giving specifically? Now, as I mentioned last Sunday, there's four principles that we're highlighting. Last Sunday, we talked about two. In your bulletin on the top, I just listed those two. They're not filling the blanks, but the two principles that we highlighted last week is a Christian is commanded and will give generously and will give regularly generously, excuse me, and regularly. And so uh, also I wanted to mention there is a devotional guide with the sermon series. So if you have not yet picked one up, you can grab one in the lobby. They're there as well as you can download one online uh, for you. Today what we're going to do is talk about the final two principles. That's our goal for today. Just two principles. And my heart and my prayer has been that each of us would, would understand and would apply these principles to our daily lives. 
This is really important. In fact, it's been said that two marks, not necessarily the only marks, but two marks of a follower of Jesus is a person who gives and forgives. And so this is, a, this is not just sort of a tangential thing. This is essential. This is central to what it means to live as a follower of Christ, that we would honor him in these areas. So let's just get right after it. Your first fill in the blank, principle number three, although I've labeled it number one this morning, but three out of the total, number one this morning, it's this, is that Christians are to give sacrificially. Christians are to give sacrificially. Look with me at 2 Corinthians now, chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. You can also follow along on the screen behind. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. What is Paul doing here? He's he's holding up these churches as an example. These churches that that were sacrificial in their giving. But notice out of their abundance or a nice Christmas bonus. These were churches that were going through a hard time. These were churches, as Paul describes it, a severe trial and extreme poverty. And you notice that Paul didn't celebrate the size of their giving. He celebrated and pointed out the sacrificial nature of their giving. That's what he held it up. And I tell you what, this probably was a convicting example for churches of that day, as Paul's writing these words, and for us today. So that's principle number one or three total. But here's our last principle. We're just going to keep moving. The last one I want to highlight, it's this. Not only are Christians to give sacrificially, we are also commanded to give proportionally. This is our final principle, sacrificially and proportionally. Jump with you, would uh, same chapter, but down to verse 10. Paul, again, is talking. He says, last year you, he's talking to this church in Corinth, were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So you see here, Paul highlighting this principle that our giving is to be proportional to our means. In other words, that we as Christians, we're all commanded to give, but we don't all give the same amount. We don't all give the same gift. In other words, the way it's often described is equal sacrifice, but not equal gifts or giving. This This is how this works and what Paul highlights here. I want to illustrate these two principles um, from Scripture, and specifically from the life of Jesus. It's his last week of his life. We're now going to jump to Mark, Mark chapter 12. And it's the Tuesday of the last week of his life. He only has a few days left. And it was a day, this Tuesday, it was a day of teaching. It was a day of interacting with people. It was a full day. And near the end of the day, he is in the Temple Mount And there's a key section of Scripture here, this quick story that's passing that highlights an important principle, the principles that we've been talking about this morning. Look with me at Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So what's going on here? 
Well, Jesus is with his disciples, and he's there, and he's, in fact, I want to show you a picture so you have an idea of where he is. This is the Temple Mount. This is what it would have looked like in terms of Solomon's temple. And on each side, where I've highlighted in red, this portico area, there would have been these containers, these places where people would come to that spot, and they would have offered their offering there, their free will offering. And Jesus sat there with his disciples, and it says there, did you notice it says that he watched? I would underline or circle that word. That word watched means to, to obviously watch, but to do so with a purpose. There was something that Jesus was up to as he was watching this scene unfold. And so he's in one of those, the right or the left side, and he's watching this scene. The next part of the verse says this. It says that many rich people threw in large amounts. But here's my question for you. How did they know people threw in large amounts? How did they know? Well, here's how they knew. The currency of that day was coins. And so as people would have come up, they would have come to the Temple Mount with their offering, probably in something like this, and they would have come up to these large containers, and they would have put their offering into the container. And the containers at that time were copper. Obviously, this is not but they would have come up there and they would have come to the, the container and they would have dropped their offering in. And you hear it. The more ka-ching, the bigger the gift. The next person comes up, does the same thing, begins to offer. The more audio they hear, the more sound they have, Obviously, it would have gotten the disciples' attention, and everybody would have known and been impressed with the size of the gift because of what the sound was when people gave it. And so in this scene, these disciples and Jesus are watching. These people are throwing in large amounts. No doubt the disciples are locked in, but look at the next verse. It says, But a poor widow came and put in only two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So here comes the lady, this widow. And she said, excuse me, it says here, the only, you know, these two small copper coins, literally that was a Roman mite. It was also at that time called a shaving. It was worth a quarter of a penny. It was nothing. You could hardly do anything with it. And the widow would have come up who had no means of income and out of calling before God and love for him would have come and would have dropped her offering. Not very impressive. Probably missed. I bet the disciples didn't even notice. But Jesus was locked in. I mean, absolutely locked into this woman who dropped these two mites, these two shavings into the container. And then he said this. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. You know, and you could imagine with me, this would have confused the disciples. What do you mean, Jesus, more? Didn't you hear the, the ka-ching from the other ones? I mean, even Matthew, maybe is the, the former tax collector, would pull out his little calculator and be like, uh, Jesus, no, like this is kind of what's going on and breaking it all down here. But the disciples would have been confused and protested. Some of these people sound like a Vegas slot machine hitting sevens, and then this woman comes up and drops one, two little coins and nothing was mentioned. But Jesus has a purpose here that he wants to teach these disciples. They want you to notice something, and that is that Jesus noticed. Jesus saw what was given, and he sees what isn't given, 
and he knows the heart of which it is given. And Jesus pays attention to this, including us here today. See, some give a a little out of their lot. But this woman came and she gave everything. And Jesus noticed. See, what he showed his disciples from this woman's example is sacrificial and proportional giving. This is what this is what Jesus points out. So let me give you an example. Three people come and each gives a gift, which is wonderful. One person gives a dollar. One person gives a hundred dollars. Next person gives a thousand dollars. Here's my question. And sacrificial. The answer to that is the key for this morning. This is, if you get nothing else this morning, this is what I want you to get. It's this next fill in the blank. The disciples knew the numerator, but Jesus knows the denominator. Now, some of you are getting chills. It's back to like high school math, right? So like, okay, what's the numerator again? What's the denominator? Okay, how's this working? Here's how this works. Let me go back to my first example. Next slide. I want you to imagine with me a child who does chores around the house and earns a $2 allowance, but comes and he offers a dollar out of his $2 allowance. What has he done? That's one out of two. One is the numerator, two is the denominator. The child gave 50%. Or how about a 20-something, getting started, scraping together jobs, and brings a gift of $100 out of a paycheck they receive of $1,000. What have they done? One out of ten, ten percent. Get the idea. A career person gives a thousand dollar gift, but this one is out of a twenty-five thousand dollar income. What have they given? You get the idea. This is the lesson that Jesus is trying to communicate here. Who gave the most generous and sacrificial gift? You look at proportion, not necessarily size of the gift. This poor woman, this Roman, uh, excuse me, this woman who gave these two Roman mites. She gave two mites out of two mites. And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, like, that's dumb. Like, why would she do that? Well, she did that out of calling and out of worship. She put herself in a position of complete dependence on God to provide for her. She did that out of obedience and worship. That's why she did it. She gave everything. See, let me say it a different way. Jesus is not impressed with commas and zeros. He's impressed with proportional giving. He's impressed with when we come to him in a position of obedience and calling, much like this widow. And it isn't that you're called to give everything two out of two. That's not what I'm saying here this morning. But what I am saying is in obedience, he's impressed with percentage, percentage giving. And maybe this morning, maybe this morning there's a thought, maybe it's crossed your mind, and and the thought, it could be this, is, well, when I earn more, then I can give a greater percentage. But it actually doesn't work that way. Here's what's interesting. A large-scale study was done, published in the New York Times, and it highlighted study people and their income and their giving. What they found was a person who earned $25,000 or less gave at a rate of 4.2%. And yet those who earned $75,000 or more gave it a rate of 2.7%. Now that's a stereotype. That's just sort of taking the whole thing in on an average. But it sort of highlights just because you have more doesn't mean it make it easier to give more. That's not necessarily true. 
So I want to close with an encouragement to help us sort of understand in conclusion how this all works. And here's your next and last final uh, fill in the blank. And it's this, that generosity, one way to define it and think about it, is that it's a percentage and it's progressive. It's a percentage and it's progressive. So if you ask this morning, am I generous? I want to encourage you, look at the percentage that you give. If you ask the question, am I, am I growing in generosity? Well, then I would suggest aim to improve, increase the size of your proportional or percentage of giving. And if you're wondering sort of how this works, in your devotional guide, there's, there's a tool in there to help you think it through. But basically, all it is is my gift amount divided by my income amount. And that helps you understand what is the percentage of giving that you're, that you're giving. And if you're wondering again this morning, well, what's the right percent between you and God? Completely between you and God. You need to go before him. You need to seek him to say, God, what are you asking me to do? But it's not about the size of the gift. But it is about giving, and it's about heart, and it's about proportion or percentage. And so really that wraps up this sermon series. We've talked about generosity and contentment. We've talked about these four principles that I would encourage you to consider. In fact, I want to close with this, a double dog dare. Use that term from time to time. That you would pick something out of these four weeks, at least one thing, that you'd give before God and you would seek to apply, make application in your life. Start somewhere. And begin, no matter where you're at, whether you're not a giver or you're a generous giver or wherever you're at, that you would come before God open-handed and say, God, what are you asking me to do? Help me take my next step. And please do not hear, I'm asking for money. I'm not. You know that New Hope has everything we need to do the work he's asking us to do. That's not what this is about. This is just a pastor's heart for people that I love and care for. And this would be an area that it wouldn't be sort of that area you just kind of shove in the corner and say, Lord, I love you with my whole life, except, well, except that part over here. That you say, you know what? You get to be Lord over everything, including my wallet, including my purse. You get to be Lord over it all. And I can't wait to see, Lord, how you work. In fact, I want to close with just one last encouragement. Because this is the one area... And the only area, as I've mentioned before, in the entire Bible where God invites you and I to test him. He tells us, he invites us, he says, in this area of giving, you test me in this, please. That word test, what that means, that means is to, to sort of put me on trial to see if I don't prove myself faithful and provide evidence. Let me show you where that's at. Here's the scripture. It's in Malachi chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. Just look right here on the screen behind where it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And there it is. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God is... You almost get the sense pleading with us to test him. Let him prove himself faithful. He is faithful. We don't give to get, but he will absolutely honor you and take care of all your needs as you honor him and obey him in this area. But here's the key. Did you catch it in here? The first move is ours. 
It's always ours. Did you see it in there? He says, bring the tithe, then God pours out the blessing. He always honors obedience. He always honors a person who has the courage to say, God, even in this area that feels scary, I am going to honor you with this. And he will honor you. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up this morning. We're going we're to sing to the one and worship the one who is worthy, the one that we love. But would you pray with me? And then we're going to close. Father, this morning we want to tell you thank you for how good you are, for how you have worked and blessed in our lives individually and as a church. And Father, my heart, because I love the people of New Hope Church, is that each individual and each family, a marriage couple, would, would get on their knees before you and say, God, are we honoring you in this area? That each person here that calls New Hope home, whether you're on campus this morning or you're watching online, that, Father, that we would, we would obey you, we would trust you, and that we would watch you work in a way that, that, that we are restricting you from working in our lives. Because for some of us, we're holding back. Help us turn our fear into a place of faith and our worry about money, etc., into a place of worship. Help us to be people that are giving and forgiving in everything that we do. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. We're going to end our worship service with Great Are You, Lord. Uh, to, to Pastor Ryan's point, we, we worship a great God, right? whether it's money or whatever else it may be. Uh, for us to think he doesn't have it in his hands, uh, well, we're just wrong. And so let's worship our great Lord this morning.